Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. What a blessing, no matter where we are, that we are involved in the Lord's work. Amen? And uh, may it be that, as followers of Jesus, we are, we are continually learning what it is to give all of ourselves to Him. Uh, as we think of the disciples, as we think of the Michaels, as we think of ourselves as disciples, to be laying it all before Him to say, Lord, you take whatever you want to use because it all belongs to you. And none of it truly belongs uh, to us. So we want to be wise with all that we have. And I'll tell you a little story to, be, to begin the message. Today, my sons and I, a couple weeks ago, were listening to a podcast about a town council in Wisconsin. And uh, this little town council secretly was courted by a large company from China and higher levels of government government to put out a bid to build a massive factory in Wisconsin. Massive factory. And so to win the bid, this town council secretly, uh, without the approval of anybody in town, they offered to pay this Chinese company three quarters of a billion dollars and this town, by the way, is, is about 26,000 people, which is a little bit bigger than Wilmot Township, because we're about 21,000, something like that. So the, as I understand it, their average, uh, generally their annual budget was between 18 and $20 million. 18 and $20 million. And they committed to pay three quarters of a billion dollars. That's a big line of credit to this company, as well as expropriating the land of neighborhoods of people in the town that they would have to move without wanting to. And hundreds of acres of land were given up. I think it was like 800 acres. It was a lot of land. Obviously, they didn't have the money. And part of the deal, at least initially, was it would be at least 20 years before the company that moved in would begin to really start paying a substantial amount of property tax. I think it was actually 30 years. And supposedly the factory would employ 13,000 people, and this is what they were going to make. This was the original deal. They were going to manufacture LCD flat-screen TVs. Now, if you do a little bit of research, which was done for the podcast, number one, you actually learn that LCDs are now old technology. Uh, there's a new technology called OLED. And so LCDs are, they're slowly going to be on their way out. And, of course, manufacturing in North America costs quite a bit more than it does uh, in Asia. Rightly or wrongly, it does. The deal was unbelievable because the town didn't have the money. LCDs are on their way out. And a bit of research would reveal that the, the, uh, the company, which I will not name, but the company from China had a history of going to different countries 
and making big promises about moving in and setting up a big factory. And then after the, the or while the ink was drying, they would begin to backpedal and, uh, and they wouldn't follow through on the commitment. Somehow nobody had done all that research, but they were just all excited about this possibility. Now, over a year later, it's been, been uh, about a year and a quarter ago that this happened, very little has been built and the story has kept changing. I've, I've read a few articles about it. The story has kept changing about what actually will take place. Uh, and it's a mess for this little town in West, or this little city in Wisconsin. I tell that story to say it's one thing to have a big idea. It's one thing to have a great vision. Or, 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 a, or a great idea. But it's really important to know and to be grounded in who am I? Who are we? What are we getting ourselves into? And what's our purpose? And what's the plan to carry out the purpose? And if those things had been done, I believe, by this little town, this town council that was doing what it did in private and in secret, it might have made a different decision than what it had. As a church, uh, may that be the... I mean, we're never going to sign up for three quarters of a billion dollars. Praise the Lord for that. But we always want to be very careful and godly and God-honoring in the use of all the resources that we have. And we want to hear from God, Lord, where are you taking us? And we want to be obedient to your leading. Would you say amen to that? We want to be obedient to the leading of God. We want to be continuously on our faces before him, especially as leadership, asking, Lord, may, we, may you not allow us to deviate from what is best. May, do not allow us to get off the track to be fulfilling what we want to do. But Lord, if we're off track, please bring us back because we want to be following you. What fundamentally drives us as a church is what we focused on last week. What fundamentally drives us as a church is that we want to be about following Jesus. You say amen to that? I mean, there are many ways that we could say, yeah, this is the, this is the phrase that describes who we are and what we want to be. And I believe this one describes it very well, that we want to be helping people follow Jesus. Jesus' ministry on earth, we talked about last week, Jesus' ministry on earth was about the kingdom of God. Right out of the gate. That's what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of God is among you. It's arrived. It's here. It is, it, it's, it's living. That was Jesus' message of good news. And his invitation then for people to join him in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, my definition, the kingdom of God exists where Jesus the king is truly reigning where Jesus the good shepherd is being followed and where the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is alive and at work. The kingdom of God, it's not a static place. The kingdom of God is a living reality. I do have a, a, a few slides. I don't know if we, can, if we can pop them up or not, but if not, no problem. Where are you and I living in the reality of the kingdom of God? If you're here today and, and, and you've never said, Jesus, I want to be part of that kingdom. Lord Jesus, I want to recognize that your life and your death and your resurrection 
have paid for the brokenness of this world and for the sin of this world, I just so encourage you to make that decision, to become part of that living kingdom of God as a follower of Jesus. For those of us who have sitting in this room that we would say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, are we living in the reality of that kingdom? Are we living in that reality of, yes, I am listening and I am desiring to be following the footsteps of Jesus where he would desire to take me? And part of that will include a fundamental starting point that we will be taking captive every thought, making it obedient to Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And then he can be our king. He can be our Lord. He can be our leader. And the disciples, Jesus' first disciples, that's what they learned. What's it like to actually be doing what we ought to be and actually falling for them, literally following the footsteps of Jesus? Can you imagine hanging out with Jesus? Anybody think that would have been cool? Anybody think that might have been frightening? Anybody think that might have pushed some of your buttons and pushed your envelope a little bit that that you might have been tempted to say, you know what, I think he's actually just a little bit too radical for me. And I hope that wouldn't be the case. But I wouldn't be surprised, in fact, I'd be pretty confident in my case, that there would be some times when I'd be going, whoa, Rabbi, I'm not, not sure about that one. What a process for the disciples of self-understanding as they followed Jesus and of God-understanding. Because as they followed him, they were seeing this is God in the flesh. This is what God is like. And I'm learning a lot about myself and how much I need to change. And I need to follow Jesus more closely in order to look more like what God wants me to look like. On the one hand, it would have been fun. I guess it would have been cool being beside at the side of the rabbi who had this kingdom power and had this authority that no other religious leaders had. Because when Jesus would speak, people would say, whoa, he teaches with authority. None of the other religious leaders teach with this kind of authority. And Jesus was also the one, of course, who demonstrated power. He demonstrated holy, heavenly, eternal power, commanding demons, silencing critics, healing diseases, subduing the weather, raising the dead, and then even himself, rising from the grave, never to return to it again. So who wouldn't want to be a groupie with Jesus? So in the next month or so, when politicians are at rallies, you know, we have a federal election coming up. So I just encourage you, you do your homework and you vote wisely, exercise that right, and, uh, and, 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 and do your homework, do your research to know where different ones stand. Uh, we can't promote anybody as a registered charity, uh, but, but our hearts are after the righteousness of God and that, that we, would be, we would be seeking and we continue to pray. Please be praying for our politicians. 
Uh, that we would all be following after the will of God and not the will of ourselves or just the will of votes. But there will be people in the crowd, if you go to a, a political rally, there will be people in the crowd who are reaching out to get that handshake, call the candidate, but hey, Bob, remember me? You're going to want to shake hands with that person, maybe hoping to get into the camera shot as an extra. <laughs> and then if that politician rises to greater heights, and that groupie will be able to do a little bit of name dropping. Oh yeah, Bob. Yeah, I shook hands with Bob at one of his rallies. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Bob knows me. There's something in us that desires recognition. And I believe that's part of how God made us. Because the most important recognition that we could ever receive is that recognition from Jesus. Who says, I love you. <laughs> and and I died for you. And you are valuable. You're valuable in Jesus. So I'm sure at least some of the disciples, dialing back, were inclined to have a little bit of a strut or swagger, you know, when they're hanging around Jesus. Yeah, we're with, we're with the power guy. We're with the authority man. But the disciples were more than just groupies. They'd been invited by Jesus after a night of prayer to be his disciples. Disciples are learners. They're students. So I hope this morning that you can happily call yourself a disciple of Jesus. Happily say and confidently say, I am on a journey of continuing to learn and intentionally developing my relationship with Jesus, that I don't want to sit still. I don't want to be static. I don't want to be in neutral. I want to keep growing. Who wants that? Oh, you might not feel like raising your hand. Who doesn't want that? They're good. We're all on the same page. And those first disciples had plenty of opportunities, as excited or as perhaps even prideful as they might have been that they had plenty of opportunities to learn that an essential characteristic of a follower of Jesus Christ is humility. And over and over again, we see in the scriptures how they had to learn that. Uh, it was an intense relationship to be following after Jesus. Brought them to exhilarating highs and exposed their shortcomings with much more somber lows like when they encountered a demon and couldn't cast it out. Perhaps to the amusement, perhaps to the scorn of onlookers. Or like when they didn't understand a statement by Jesus or a parable that he told, and Jesus just sighed and he called them dull. Or he reminded them that they lacked faith. Or when Jesus was, was just as inviting to the outcasts of society as he had been to them. And, and, and they squirmed a little bit to say, Jesus, you know, those people are kind of dirty. And they had to learn that that's, that's, that's who God is. God cares about every single person. Or when Jesus, or, or when two disciple brothers, James and John, along with their mom, came to Jesus and asked him to reserve for them the two best seats in his future kingdom. Anybody read that story? James and John, they're, they're, I don't know, maybe their mom, maybe it was her idea. 
Or maybe they were mommy's boys. I don't know. Or maybe it was their idea. Mom, you come along. You know, you got that, that maternal push. You got that maternal sway on Jesus. So, Lord, in your future kingdom, one on the right, one on the left, uh, you can do that for us, right? And Jesus' response, he said in Matthew 20, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over others, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And then there's one other situation of learning that I want to pause at, at Mark chapter 10. I'm slaying here for, for, uh, for a little bit. And the situation, the story, the, the, the scenario went like this. People were bringing children, little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them. And he blessed them. Now, this is a, 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 a story, a scenario that many of you are probably familiar with. And it illustrates so much and so well God's invitation to us to come and to sit at his feet or sit on his lap in the case of these children. And speaking of the kingdom, speaking of, of humility, speaking of needing faith, Jesus invites the children as an incredibly poignant illustration to come and to be blessed. Here's this rabbi, the one who demonstrated authority and power unlike any other religious leaders. The parents are bringing them, just saying, Lord, would you, would you bless our kids? And, and we might rewind back when Jesus was 12 years old. Luke writes in chapter 2 of his gospel that at Passover time, Jesus' family, they traveled to Jerusalem for Passover. And they would have been with extended family. They'd travel like in a caravan. And so they got ready. And and, and when Passover is over, they start heading back home. And while they're on their way, anybody's seen Jesus? And they realize Jesus isn't with them. So they have to turn around. They have to head on back. They're probably scared. And they head on back and they realize, they discover that Jesus has gotten caught up sitting in among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions and amazing them at his understanding at the age of 12 of the things of God. Now about 21 years later, Jesus is inviting the children, younger ones yet, but now he's inviting the children. And it seems the disciples had forgotten that they too had been invited by Jesus when they were spiritual infants. 
And there wasn't that connection that they were making, but they had been invited by Jesus when they were spiritual infants. They tried to shoo away the young ones, not being very inviting, not being very hospitable. And I actually wondered this week, later in their relationship, Jesus would breathe on his disciples. He would say, receive the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if somehow I think that even that event in itself would have changed their understanding. Because filled with the Spirit, they would have moved and responded differently. Who knows? I confess that when I got married, and I'm not proud of this anymore, I think I was at the time, but when I got married, uh, I, I insisted that an announcement be put in the bulletin that children were not allowed in the service. In the wedding, in the wedding service. Now, if if uh, if you're going to get married and and you want to do that too, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to judge you. Uh, but I did that back then because I had no interest and no affection for, and I'm, again I'm not proud to say it, but no affection for children uh, at the time. And I would have fit right in with the disciples, wouldn't I? So you tell them, guys. You tell them to get, get lost. Now, I didn't let them in at my wedding. There's no way we're going to let them sit on Jesus' lap. And But just like the disciples, I needed a, an attitude check about the why. Jesus has invited each and every one of us to follow him. Amen? Not as groupies. Not as snobs like I was. But his disciples, as intentional followers and learners and students of Jesus. As a church, we are a community of people who have experienced the warm invitation of the Holy Spirit into relationship together with God for our lives to be completely transformed and changed. And just as we were invited into that relationship with people, we also want to be an inviting people, don't we? In fact, Paul would write to the Romans... It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Isn't that awesome? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so we want that same kindness to be flowing through us, to be seen by others, so that they would come into that same kind of relationship with Jesus. In our mission statement, we have these, these three words. Isn't this striking? This is, um, and, and it's not about being striking. But what a great way, just as we've had posted uh, our previous statement, for us to be reminded and for us to help through this series to say here's what each of these key words, connect, grow, and engage, um, here's what they're referring to. Connect, grow, and engage. And at the heart of the word connect is this sense of genuine, authentic inviting, friendliness, welcoming, just like Jesus did with the children. Whether it's to children, to outcasts, to one another, to anyone who's genuinely seeking God and truth, and even to those who aren't, because sometimes it's kindness that's needed that kind of heaps coals on the heads of others, as uh, Proverbs tells us that it's kindness that can sometimes break that ice 
that God uses even as a spiritual weapon to see people come to him. And Sunday morning is the time when when we connect with most people. With each of these words, uh, we've identified one main ministry area. And then there are others. They're not exclusive. But we're reminded that Sunday morning is a time when we connect together. Uh, There are plenty of other events where we connect. uh, Wednesdays with the students, with youth, their children's ministry, seniors' lunch this past week, life groups, prayer meetings, special events, lots of opportunities where we are inviting people to come. Uh, We're also beginning, hoping to begin, a weekly drop-in for parents with the new play uh, equipment that's downstairs, that great, incredible play equipment downstairs that that some of you have probably seen and I think some kids have started to use. Uh, And to use that as a weekly drop-in so that parents and young children can come and, and Kelly is working on that, hopefully beginning in October. And yet there's another side to this connecting. With each one of these words, we've added uh, an adverb before it. And this one is the word authentically, that we would authentically connect. That our connecting is not just a facade. Uh, it's not fake. Sunday morning is not the time for plastic smiles. Would you say amen to that? There are times, if we can be honest, there are times when you just don't really feel friendly. (laughs) You just don't feel friendly. And that's a reminder, for one thing, that it's not all about our feelings because sometimes what we need to do is we need to act in order to change how we feel. And, and praising God often does that. I have found that in my life that if I, I might not feel like praising God. But if I open myself up to him and I, and, and I will praise him anyway, that he will lift my heart and he will lift my spirits. And so even there are times when we don't feel very friendly. And we can be honest about that. We can be honest about that with each other without being rude, right? And without being too deeply stuck in the mud. I will be straight up and I will tell you that I really don't feel especially hospitable these days because the passing of a loved one has that effect, doesn't it? And it just, you just don't, you don't have that energy. You don't have that desire and, and that, that's a process. That's a grieving process that I maybe don't feel like being hospitable. And so in my authenticity, if we authentically connect in my authenticity, I can be honest about that. I could say, somebody says to me nowadays, how are you doing? Uh, and sometimes people will say that, and by the end of, by the, end of the word doing, they realize, uh, maybe I shouldn't have asked that question. But that's Okay. And, and rather than just giving an offhanded, yeah, good, no, I'm good. I won't do that. Uh, I could say in my spirit, I'm okay. But I will give answers like I'm working on it, or I'm leaning on God, or I'm coping, or I'm doing my best, I'm trusting in Jesus, depending on who, who understands who I'm talking to. And that's okay for us, isn't it? It's okay for us. And that, that, that's part of our authenticity. 
that we can be honest and yet be kind. A number of you have, have for me personally, a number of you have gone, gone out of your way to pray for me, and, and I have, I'm so very thankful for that. And I know that, I know that, that you pray for me. Uh, so many of you pray, and I am so grateful for that. Because I know I would not be where I am if it weren't for the prayers of my mom through all of these years. And I thank you for your ongoing prayer. Just as the Michaels thank you for our ongoing prayer for them to help hold, hold them up as, as they serve in Hawaii. We bear each other's burdens and we celebrate together, don't we? That's what it is to be the community of Christ together. Now here's the thing about connecting with people. Here's the challenge. We never know when the Holy Spirit wants to bring somebody across our path that we don't know well or we don't know at all and he's wanting to tap us on the shoulder and nudge us in the spirit and say, I want you to step out and speak to this person. Maybe even this is what I want you to say to that person. Sometimes that's how the, uh, what he will say to us and how the prophetic will come out. And it might scare you. If he ever says, you need to say this to so-and-so, no way. You need to encourage that person, go to that person and say, it's going to be okay. Man, I've seen that happen. Go up to a person and say, because the Holy Spirit was speaking, and the person just melts with tears and says, oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Or God loves you, whatever it might be. But we never know when the Holy Spirit is going to tap us and say, You need to befriend that person. Maybe just for a day. Maybe for a short period of time. Maybe for a lifetime. Hebrews 13 verse 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. We never know who God's going to bring across our path. Now, we all have close friends, and for some of you, those close friends are, are, are part of this church. And our tendency might be to immediately connect with the same people every week, every week, every week. Those close friends are invaluable to our growth. But may we be careful that we not be like the disciples and what they did with the children in that they got so caught up with being with Jesus and being together that they were fostering those close relationships at the exclusion of others. That's that fine line that we have to be so very careful about, that we not be friending to the exclusion of others. My personal experience with this church has been great friendliness, and I say, God bless you for that. Granted, I, I, I do have a somewhat more visible role, and, and, and so I, I guess people tend to be friendly, so th- thank you for that. May we continue to be an inviting people. May we have our, our spiritual and physical eyes out for people that maybe, maybe, maybe they're visiting for the first time. And that we see somebody we don't recognize, or we just go out of our way and say, I'm glad to see you this morning. But we did learn something 
uh, about a safe question to ask because sometimes as, as churches get to a certain size and we don't know everybody and, and that's okay we don't know everybody rather than asking hey are you visiting this morning only to get the answer well no I've been coming here for two years <laughs> we learned a great question to ask instead is good morning how long have you been attending here and then if the answer is well this is my first time it's a lot less awkward than I've been coming here longer than you have I asked last Sunday if you could envision with me, among other things, if you could envision this room as it has been and as it's close to, but this room just being filled to overflowing because we're inviting people to follow Jesus with us. I really hope that this gathering is a place that you feel comfortable inviting people to. Now, not everybody. There are some people that that, that faith and following Jesus is such a new idea that coming here would be, an ab- it would be a complete culture shock to them. And so we take that same inviting posture to our homes, to schools, to our hobbies, to coffee shops. We take that hospitality and that inviting, kind behavior even to strangers or to people that we don't know super well or even to people that, of course, we do know well. Authentically connecting is about naturally radiating the love and the kindness of Jesus. Now, I really, really miss my wife. I will not bring her up every week, but it was only three weeks ago yesterday. She taught me. She modeled for me what it is like to radiate the love and the presence of Jesus. For four years, she went to a a naturopathic clinic in Kitchener. And the, the, a couple of the staff came to the visitation and no surprise to me. They said, you know, people just keep asking, where's Tarina? Where's Tarina? Because when she entered the room, she just had a beautiful smile on her face. They said there was just something different about her. And she lit up the room. And that was the presence of Jesus in her life. And I want to be like that. So that I especially don't miss that pe- those people that God is particularly bringing across my path so that I will hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit And that I will naturally radiate the love and the light of Jesus just so naturally. Let me invite the musicians uh, forward. Thanks, Ryan.
we have a, a song to end with. I hope I didn't make you cry, Jane. <laughs> it begins with a kingdom mentality. If Jesus is reigning as king and we're following him as shepherd and the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in us, we will be alert to connecting authentically with those who come across our path. And church, who knows where God will take us? Because the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.